Welcome to Another Words. I'm your host of Another Words, Susan Scher. And this morning, I have the current owner and heir apparent to Otterbein's Cookies. Mark, the current owner, Mark Otterbein, and Ben, the, his son, who will be taking over. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Susan. Thank you for, uh, for making the time for me today. Sure, you're welcome. And this is still a family-owned, family-run business. It goes back, what, five generations? Ben will be the fifth generation. Ben's the fifth, okay. Most, you probably know, most family businesses don't go past the third generation. And one of the things we're going to talk to Mark and Ben about is why this one has. And... You are at the point still where you can go out on the floor and talk to everybody, know who they are, what's happening with them. That's the way you want to keep it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think we tried to have that family atmosphere, and I think a lot of the employees like that, and I think they feel that they, too, are a part of the family as well. Well, when I was out on the floor, they were all smiling and happy. And the one um, older woman was not called by her first name. It was Miss Iris, is that it? Miss Rita. Miss Rita, <laughs> out of deference to her maturity. I love that. <laughs> and actually, I, I'm older than Miss Rita, but... <laughs> still Miss Rita. She's still Miss yeah. Rita. She also... has a presence, doesn't she? <laughs> she does, yeah. yeah. And, and the same with Miss Laverne. This was an old family recipe, isn't it, Mark? Yes. Two of the uh, the cookies that we currently make are the original recipes my great-grandfather brought from Germany when he opened the first bakery in South Baltimore on Fort and Jackson Street in 1881. And that's the sugar cookie, right? Correct. The sugar cookie and the ginger cookie. Oh, okay. Um, now, you were first a full-service bakery, right? What changed? Well, it was it was a full line bakery up into the fourth generation, which was me, that I changed from going retail to strictly wholesale and strictly cookies. I think back in the late eighties, early nineties, a lot of the grocery stores started operating their own bakeries inside the grocery store itself. And it was direct competition to us. Um and you see a lot of the, the smaller retail bakeries going under because of lots of So um, my thought was the cookies were such a success. Maybe we can do this making only cookies and making them wholesale. In other words, if you can't beat them, join them. So I, I decided to... Go the route of, I'll just sell my cookies to the grocery stores. See, this is the kind of thing that sets entrepreneurs apart from other people, successful ones anyway, because you have to think outside of what you know. And that's exactly what you did. Yes. Yeah. And it was a struggle at first. It was a big struggle. I, I thought a few times just to give it all up and try to do something else. We finally turned things around and we were able to get into some of the major grocery chains and that's what turned it, turned it all around. I read something about that. 
um, you were very persistent, weren't you? <laughs> when I closed the retail store and I first started doing the wholesale, I had some accounts. I had a lot of the independent stores, a lot of gift shops and that type thing. But it still wasn't enough. We, we needed something big. And I always thought if I can get into a Giant Foods, I think that would be the good first step getting into the grocery store. So the story goes, I, every day I would call, and of course, they never answered their phone. So one day I called them, and lo and behold, somebody actually answered the phone and gave her my story. And, you know, I, was, I said, you know, I really think these cookies would work. And she was like, no, I don't think so. She asked some questions about where you're selling them now. And I think that was what convinced her that because we were selling so well in the Eddies and the Growls and the other independents, mm -hmm. she said, all right, we'll give you a shot. How about if we start with one store and we'll see how it works? So I already had it in my mind. I knew that it was going to work because I was going to buy all the cookies if I had to. <laughs> Turned out I didn't have to. So maybe a month or two later, she called and said, it's working out pretty good. Would you like some more stores? That's where it all snowballed from The rest there. as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you had had to depend on friends and family for the sales, how long would that have lasted? The reason I'm asking is you do have to be prepared to take losses as an entrepreneur, uh, mm -hmm. but there also is a line Right. You know, beyond which you cannot go. Well, I think I went beyond that line. Did you? Okay. <laughs> because, you know, it was a lot involved. I didn't want to be the one that stopped the generational thing. So I think one of the reasons that your business has lasted this long is that there's never been any insistence that anyone continue it. No. no. It came close. <laughs> I'm not saying they haven't been begged, but, but they've always been free to do it. The kids have always been free to do what they want. And they weren't given anything. No, not at all. So, Ben, let's hear your story. I've always worked at the bakery. Summer well, well, all, excuse me, all the kids do when they're little, right? Yes. Yeah, that was summer vacation for my brother and I. I was to work at the bakery, and whether it was just simply... At the time, we had to put the stickers on the bags because we're actually, you know, cutting or, or traying cookies. Um, so I always thought that it's what I wanted to do. I, I Out of high school, I worked here for two years, um, and I got an itch to go away. Uh, Dad was fully supportive of me going off to school, and, you know, it was, that's fine, but you need to do something. Um, so I went to school in Philadelphia uh, to be a web developer, went out in the workforce, I think deep down there was always a passion. Um, so my, at the time, girlfriend, now a wife, said, let's do it. Let's move to Maryland and uh, we'll tell your dad you want to come back. And he didn't believe me at first, um, but my wife uh, convinced him that I was completely serious. Um, and I've been back ever since and I couldn't be happier. What's the appeal? Oh, what isn't the appeal? Um, there's so many appeals. I mean, one, you work with your family. There, that can go there, both ways. It can totally go both ways. Um, conveniently, my dad and I work really well together. And, Good. Um, you know, helps things tremendously. Um, but I also get to do a little bit of everything. 
Now, because of the way both of you grew up, you can each do every single job here, right? Absolutely. I think any good manager does have to know everything. Yeah, I agree. They should anyway. It makes a big difference. You can't manage people doing something that you have no idea what they're going through. Yep. Yeah. We make two types of cookies. Uh, die-cut cookies and the drop cookies. So the, the die-cut are the sugar, ginger, and the lemon. Okay, before we go further with that, you don't do this anymore because, as you say, they're die-cut. Mm-hmm. But they didn't used to be. I would like to hear some of those stories. I'm going to pass that one. That's before my time. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm passing that one on. Yeah, when we had the retail bakery, we they were rolled out with a rolling pin on a, on a mat and stand around a table and we'd have our cookie cutter, and we would cut the cookies, put them on the pan, and throw them in the oven. Well, yeah, but didn't you have contests? Yeah, we did. I, I offered, because I was always the fastest cookie cutter, I, I would tell people, I said, if you can beat me cutting cookie here, it's $100 for you. <laughs> Nobody was able to do that. So. Wow. But it was good. it was good, friendly competition, and trying to make it fun. And we, we do that even now, not, not in cutting cookies, but seeing how many we can produce mm-hmm. per day. So we got some big orders coming up, so we had to incentivize. So let's see how, how many we can get done. That's an interesting kind of incentivizing because nobody loses. Right. You can only win. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I want to go back again a couple of generations because I said nobody was given anything. So, Mark, tell me about that. Um, well, when my father, when I came back to work for my father, he asked if I wanted to take over. And I said, yeah. And so he says, well, you got to start paying me. <laughs> so I would, he would take a certain amount out of my check every week. So you didn't just inherit it, and neither did he, did no, he? No, he had to buy it as well. See, that's another reason it has lasted. Because, uh, like we were saying earlier, it, nothing was given to any of you. No. Have there ever been a case where two of the brothers, or sisters, I don't know how this breaks down, wanted to buy it well actually paul and i owned the shares for a little while until paul didn't want any part of going wholesale didn't think that it would work so i bought the shares that he had from him to go into the wholesale end of it okay and again it's the ability to what they call in many business books pivot yeah that keeps you alive. This direction isn't working? Well, okay, let's try something else. And I don't know if this is worldwide, but I know it's an, uh, an American thing at least. If something doesn't work, try it harder, <laughs> which is true to a point. But there does come a time where you say, I think I'm running into walls here. Let's try turning the corner. And a lot of people it's not that they're unwilling to do that necessarily. It's that they don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the pivot, as you say, from doing retail to strictly wholesale. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I was determined to make it work. 
it was a challenge just trying to rethink the wheel basically mm -hmm. because it going from making a hundred and some products only making two products I soon learned that you know it involved a lot more than just hoping people would buy your product a lot of entrepreneurs I think most of them go into it out of passion yeah they really love what they do unfortunately all too often they think that's enough and you doesn't matter how good you are you can be the best at what you do if nobody knows it you're gonna fail right yeah now Ben, you came in with your knowledge of web design what did you do with that here i think one of the largest pieces was my aunt joan years before she had started selling tins what became a, a pretty decent business I saw it as a huge opportunity. First, we're, we're not selling to grocery stores, we're selling direct, um, and we're almost selling a, a, an experience, not so much just the product at this point. It's interesting, we've actually gotten away from web sales and actually have really started going towards businesses directly. So we have okay. uh, mortgage companies that use us as a gifting item every time that someone signs a new mortgage. Um, we have companies that send them out for birthdays. So it was more of seeing the opportunity and how can, you know, how can we use the product that we're making in bulk and sell them in a, in a new platform and into a whole new, a whole new direction. And, and it's something that has successfully, we've grown it significantly over the past three years since I've been back. We get so many orders online of, you know, people that just miss the cookie, that miss the product. So um, you do sell to individuals? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Okay. Online. And the website, of course, would be otterbinescookies.com. Yes. Otter and that, can you, O-T-T-E-R-B-E-I-N-S cookies.com. Yep. Are there other instances that you can tell us about where most people would have just gotten scared, but you found a way to make it work? <laughs> and Ben, if you have one, feel free. <laughs> Okay, you're laughing. I'm going to say that means yes. <laughs> yeah, more than one, I could say. Um, yeah, because it was such a struggle. I mean, and I tell the story, too, where I was almost ready to just give it up because I was deeply in debt. I was using personal credit cards to stay afloat. And I thought seriously about just going to work for somebody else and... There was this one person in particular that I wanted to go work for, and I called them to ask them if I can come work. And um, fortunately, he was on vacation. Soon after that is when I got the call from Giant. Ah. <laughs> I was lucky that, you know, it did survive because, again, I was doing all the things that they tell you don't do. You know, like what? Like don't use your personal credit cards oh, to, oh. to keep keep things afloat. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who have done that though. I know, but it, but I think in all the books that you read they tell you <laughs> don't. So. But basically entrepreneurs don't follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is interesting, isn't it? Entrepreneurs see the world differently. You're saying it's good to work for family, but it could go both ways. We all know how bad it can go. <laughs> and it's often recommended that you not work with family. So why does it... Well, one 
reason it works, obviously, is that you don't force the next generation. I think that's a big part of it. Why else is it okay to work with family? And do you ever feel a little closed in? I don't know if closed in's the right answer. When I came back, it, it was... To me, it was exciting. I mean, I, I saw it as knowledge that, you know, I had these people that not only did we have a story to tell, they could teach me a million and one things that, you know, as much as I could teach them, they could teach me. Um, and the fact that it was family, I mean, we, we've always had a pretty close-knit family. Mm-hmm. Um, I had worked with them, you know, since I was young. So in a lot of ways, it, 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 didn't, it didn't seem odd because dad's always been my boss. Um, and that's, that's the way I always saw it. Um, and you know, to my uncle and aunt, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, these are people that have been doing it for years. So you could hate it and get frustrated with it, or you, you can embrace it and learn from them. Um, you know, and is it closed in? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's always family members that kind of come and go. There's, you know, some that work with us part time mm-hmm. or during the summer and things like that. Um, but I, I, I like to see it as a positive um, and I, why it works, I don't know. I, I think in some ways we're just we're just kind of lucky in that <laughs> we get along really well. And like I said, I, I think we both have the same vision. You know, it's not like I came in and said, "All right, we're starting to sell in California within two years." No, it's absolutely not not the goal. Um, so when you're taught all of those things, um, down to the little things, you know, learn every employee's name, learn their story, talk to them. Uh, they're not just employees. You know, they're they're people that help you make money. Um, so when you have all those same values, I think it translates much easier than coming in and really looking at it with a whole new perspective. You said that your goal is not to sell in California. You don't want to be that big. You want to always be able to know who everyone is. Okay. But you still have room to grow within that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that it's really important that you figure out what that line is and what that goal is that you want to achieve. And there's something kind of special that you can't get it on the West Coast. You can't get it in Illinois, you know? So it's... Like it's, Tasty Cake used to be. Yeah, absolutely. So And, excuse me, but, and they've never been as good. That's true as well. Since they went national. We, we never want to cut quality. To, to grow, just for the sake of growth. Now, there's something else. I, I read that you've got some partnerships, because partnerships are one of the best ways that small businesses grow, aren't they? Absolutely. So who are your partners? Our biggest is Flying Dog Brewery. Um, they approached us uh, two years ago. It's been three years. Um, and they said, can we make a beer that pairs with your cookie? And I would never have thought to ask that question. <laughs> we were really confused. And they created four beers that paired very specifically with four of our cookies. So you're talking about like pairing wine with meals. Exactly. Same concept. So what tasting nodes are you getting from the cookie? Um, and what, you know, what is the beer bringing? It's a funny combination, but uh, we've learned to embrace it, and it's, it's been an incredible ride so far. One thing, one truism of entrepreneurship, you're never going to be highly successful by yourself. Yep. The second rule is partnerships. That is one of the easiest ways to grow, easiest, fastest ways to grow. Yeah. This 
has been so informative, not just about the cookies, but about business in general. Thank you. And you have been listening to In Other Words. I'm your host, Susan Scher. Thanks for joining us. Join us again. Bye-bye. So thank you very much, Mark and Ben. This is Mark and Ben Otterbein from Otterbein's Cookies. And again, that's O-T-T-E-R-B-E-I-N-S. And you've been listening to In Other Words. I'm your host, Susan Scher. Thanks for joining us. Join us again. Bye-bye. In other words.